Welcome to Words of Aloha with Pastor Izzy Manzo of Amazing Grace Ministries International. We're headquartered in Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. Join us now as we get into God's Word. I believe these men came to learn something we need to learn. That all things are possible with him. But Peter is pointing out something Jesus understood. That when it came time for a situation, what maybe our will wants to do it one way, and then we think, but God, you know, I've got to leave room for your will. That Jesus modeled to Peter as he laid there praying in distress. He was teaching Peter that God's will is above our will. And that when we submit our will to his will, even, and I'm not going to tell you like some American Western Christianity, name it and claim it, health and wealth doctrine preachers would tell you, that your life will be all wonderful. You'll never have any problems because God's will for you, my dear brother, is to bless you. You're, you're a child of the king, and as a child of the king, you are one of the heirs of the blessings of being one of his children, and he just wants great things for you. He might torture you. Just get real. <laughs> you might have to lay down your life as a martyr for your faith today. Do you know that's a real possibility? Now, here in America, we go, no, that wouldn't happen to us. It's coming, isn't it? Look, at, Wake up. We are only under this, what did you see the word, the shelter, the bubble that we're protected by? Only because of the heritage of our forefathers that so strongly walked in faith after God. But we have as a nation turned from that. And I don't see any reason why the Lord has to keep his hand of shelter over us when we keep turning our backs on him. And we haven't humbled ourselves like the scripture says. It says, if, if you will humble yourselves and pray as a nation then I will hear and I will heal your land. But our land is sick. And we're going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology pretty soon the way we're going if we don't repent of our sins. And guys, we need to wake up. Judgment could happen to us, and deservedly so, because we have not continued steadfast. But even when you are steadfast, Jesus was, well, what greater example do I have of someone who is steadfast than the Lord himself? When you stay steadfast in your faith, does it excuse you from all suffering? Oh, you get a pass. Steadfast, no suffering for you. Wrong. If any man wants to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, pick up his what? His cross. And come follow me. Guys, I don't mean to sound morbid, but suffering as a Christian is part of what we're going to face if we're really going to follow our Lord. You might suffer rejection from your family. You might suffer rejection on your work site, job site. You might suffer rejection, you know, by your co-workers. And, but in the suffering, what you suffer... 
Do you think you'll suffer abandonment from God? No. Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. What's the psalmist say in Psalm 23? Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? Thou art with me. You know, one of the greatest comforts I can teach you is even when we face bad times, the Lord is still with us. He's with us. And Jesus will suffer the greatest of rejections because at one point he will cry out, Eli, Eli. He'll say, my God, my God. Why hast thou what? Forsaken me. The greatest, most horrific part of his journey to the cross would be the, the realization of the separation of himself from God as he took upon himself what? Our sin. You know, the psalmist writes, it is my sin what has separated me from thee, O God. You know, it's our very sin that makes God feel far away. God is not far away. If you tell me, oh, he feels far away, I can, you just confess to me you're a sinner. And if he seems far, far away, I know you're a really bad sinner. But how many sins does it take me to fall short of entering into the kingdom of heaven? Just one. One sin versus a million sin, it doesn't matter. That sin will separate you from God. And Jesus came to pay for all of our sin so we would not have to be separated from God. So we would never suffer that. And that, no matter what you go through, no matter what horrible, horrific thing you face down here, you will never have to face separation from God. Because Jesus paid so that you could have that intimate closeness to God and I wanted the kids to understand something that I knew Jesus understood but we forget in our times of trouble right away Jesus understood he knew that while praying his petition please pass on this cup I don't want to do it but nevertheless nevertheless not my will but whose will thy will be done why would he want to do God's will over his? What did he know? Come on, fill in the blank. What did, let's tell the kids, what did Jesus know about God's will versus our will? Which one's better? God's. If we go with God's will, does God know what he's doing? Always. Now, in the short term, and by the way, we are very short-term minded people. We are very instant gratification kind of creatures here. Everything's about getting us what we need, when we need it. And by the way, when I say needs, I'm talking wants. And when I say when, and we're talking immediately because we have no patience. I was listening to an older gentleman say that the generation that we're seeing be raised up, they have no patience, persistence. They, they don't know what it's like to work and slave and save for decades to get that one thing that you had your eye on. Because they're so used to getting what they want when they want it, instant gratification has become the, the norm. So there's no patience. And the problem with that is it causes a person to be very narrow-minded in their thinking about how fast God needs to answer their prayer. Or how they want their prayer answered. And they don't understand that 
We're talking to the author of the universe, the creator of all creation, the one that has authored our salvation in his son and knows the, well, his son was called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the what? The end. He knows everything. And he knows how to answer our prayers with his will if we want to. Now, I'm not saying you have, do I have to go with his will just because it's there? No. But I would recommend it very highly over our will because he sees things we do not. He understands things about situations that you don't even, well, you haven't even encountered yet because you haven't lived into the future and he can see the beginning unto the end. For, for the youth, since I was teaching college and career-aged ones last night, I had to bring this down to the personal stuff of what a college student wants to know. You know what they want to know about this time in life, right? What do college students want to know? What career should I go into and who should I marry? That's basically going to cover about 90% of all questions asked. I know, I've been leading youth for three decades. That's, it, it comes up like every other week, so I'm pretty sure it's in there. They want to know. I shared with them a personal testimony of how the Lord worked with me when I was in my college days. I said, you guys, I believe that there's my will and there's God's will. <coughs> Since I have to teach the adults about this tomorrow, I might as well share with you a little secret. In all of the things where I can make a mistake in my life, I decided, since I'm colorblind, that whatever color car I pick, should it be the wrong color, I'll go with it. I'll make the mistake on the color of car I pick, but I'm not making the mistake of which wife I get. Because if I'm going to screw up a decision and make one without God, let it be the color of my car and not the woman that I spend the rest of my days with. Because of all of the decisions what you make as a young person that will impact your life going forward, aside from giving your life to Christ, of course, that's the number one decision you got to make. But after you've given your life to Christ, what are the most impacting decisions you make after that? Who you spend your life with. What career you do. I figure, let me get the biggies right and mess up on the small stuff. It's kind of like, you know, in finance, we, 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 I, I, I got my master's in finance. They teach you in finance to learn not to be penny wise and pound foolish. I don't know if you know what that means, but like make the right decisions on the big monetary things and the little monetary things you don't have to pinch the pennies because it doesn't matter because you already made wise decisions in the bigger scope of stuff. When it comes to the decisions of life, if you should make a right decision on who you marry. Now, I got all the kids listening. Yes. How do you know which one you should marry? Well, let me put it this way. Remember Jesus's prayer? Not my will be done, but whose will? Your will. Does God know who would suit us the best? for this journey of life, what we are going to face? Does he know what lies ahead for us? Does he know how our spouse will handle those things? I had to confess to the kids, I mean, just realistically, I've only been a Christian a couple of years when I got to face this life question. 
And I was at Arizona State University where they had 40,000 students on campus that year. And when you're in 40,000 students, let me tell you something. A very interesting thing happens. You can get dismissed when the bell rings to go to the next class, and you pour out onto these large walkways. And there are seas of people, I mean rivers, of humans flowing. And by God, you don't get in the flow going the wrong way because you'll get run over. You get over to the side that is going your way, and you go with the flow, don't fight it, and you get to the next class. And there are so many people. Now, some people don't realize this. In, within a sea of 40,000 students, what is at the time was about a square mile campus, there's a lot of congestion of people. And an interesting phenomenon happens that you, though you're so surrounded by people, you can feel so alone because you don't actually connect. You don't see faces you know. They're just constant changing. And you're going, oh, God, which one is she? I can't, oh, my. And I told the boys, on the year I went, my, my freshman year, they had this in unique phenomena. There was a larger percentage of gals going to college at ASU than guys. Now, the boys are going, whoa, you lucky kid. You know, that, man, that means you got more to choose from. Greater percentage of gals. Now I have more confusion. Which one? So I made up my mental list. Top 10 contenders, you know. Possibility. But it, God, I, you know, I don't know. Now, just to let you know, Jan was on the list, my wife. But see, let me tell you what, what the Lord did. In the list I had categorized and I told the kids confession of the pastor in his younger days in all reality how do you think I was ranking the girls as a young college student only a few years in Christ hot hottest super hottest okay and my hotness criteria was not based on godliness okay I just got to let you know it was a very superficial outward you know, I was a gymnast. When you're a gymnast on the varsity team, you're around other girl gymnasts on their varsity team. And, you know, physically fit specimens. I was in the, I was in the circle of some of the most fit gals in, well, in the whole of the region, not just of our campus. And I, I looked at them, and okay, maybe her, Lord, maybe she's a Christian. I don't know what about her. And, and if you weren't a Christian, you weren't on the list, okay, straight up. Because I had at least learned this, that says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? How much fellowship is there between a believer and an unbeliever? None. Don't even go there. Don't call me and say, but pastor, can I marry this unbeliever? No. Don't do it. You won't have any fellowship. That's what the scripture teaches. But of the ones that did know the Lord that I had on the list, I'm going, Lord, how do I know which one? Now, believe me, by this point, everyone except my son was listening intently last night. It was past 8 o'clock. He's excused. At 8, he mentally shuts off and goes to sleep. So he's a morning bird. I, I have this whole group of college and crickets that are night owls. They, they, they're like, keep going, man. How'd you figure out which one? And you know what I did? I said, God, you look at things with a better Lens. I mean, you see all the way to the future. You know what she'll be like in 10, 20, 30 years. 
something I did not perceive at that time as a young man. And man, am I glad I listened to God on this one. We got Facebook. I know what some of the other contenders look like now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because some of those girls that were on my list I've seen today, and I'm like, whoa, that would have been a mistake. Like, God, you spared me. But see, it's only because of the knowledge that I gained from this very prayer of Jesus, where he said, not my will, but thy will be done, because he knew something up here. That God's will was better than his will. And I got to share with the kids. I dated, courted my wife for four and a half years, all through college. We were college sweethearts. Got married September after we graduated. And as you know, we had our 29th anniversary last week, so we, we celebrate this past Monday or 29. And so I, I go, Lord, you made my wife to, to, well, you knew she'd weather really well. I mean, wow, you are good. But I didn't know that. No, what I did know, though, and I told the kids I would teach them this. For, for those of you who are trying to seek God about who you should marry, you should come out to Saturday night at our house with the college and career group because I'm going to go in depth how I found out which one he had for me versus which one I had. Because what he did is he pointed me to a, a, a passage of Scripture that has great wisdom, the wisdom of God. It's in the book of Proverbs, the very last proverb, Proverbs 31. And he describes an excellent wife in verse 10. Who can find? Her worth is far above what? Gold jewels. She is precious. And the heart of her husband trusts in her. And in her, he shall have how much lack of gain? No lack of gain. You know what? That one verse eliminated five girls off the list. Poof, gone. Because though they were hot, and though they knew the Lord, I, I really couldn't tell you I could trust them. But the scripture says that the excellent wife, the husband, he can trust her. Because in her, he'll have no lack of gain. He doesn't even have to worry. Doesn't matter how hot they are. If you can't trust them, don't marry them. There's going to be pain to your own being. Now, I read on in the proverb and found some other criteria that the Scripture describes. And as I began to use God's Word as my measuring stick, guess what happened to my list? All of a sudden, reorganization, you know. And this one girl floated to the very top slot. And numbers two slot and three slot and four slot were empty. And number five... She hadn't moved. She was still there. <laughs> but it was very clear now she was not the one. And I came to that understanding why. Because I learned something about God's will that I want to end with today. You need to know His will is so far greater for you than your own will. 
His thoughts, it says, are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And he, even our, our greatest thought is lower than his lowest, basest thought toward us. He loves us so much. We'd be there, God, if I could just get this person and be married with them, we'd live happily ever after. God goes, oh, I wouldn't wish that on you for anything. You don't know how they're going to turn out to be. You know, tomorrow there's going to be this happens to them. They're going to turn sour, and they're going to be a sour puss for the rest of their life, and you don't want them. But see, if we believe our will is better than his will, we will venture into areas of life where we will make great mistakes. And we will pay for those mistakes with great pain to our own heart. And there's nothing better than following the example of our Lord. Though the road might be hard ahead, if we will just submit and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You might find out that his will has some good things included. You might find out that that woman that he's putting in front of you to be your spouse, that's the right one. Because he knows how you'll grow together, how you'll go through the journey of life together, how things that come up against you that you will be able to walk through hand in hand and overcome together. Because he knows greater and his will for us is so much greater than our understanding of our will for ourselves. We are, we are well, the psalmist wrote it best. Psalm 103, the psalmist wrote, the Lord knows our frame. And it says, he is mindful that we are but what? Look down, dust. We are but dust. You know, sometimes I just feel like, Lord, I'm just Dust. A little water, you know, I studied that in chemistry. They taught us that, you know, the thing that we are most closely chemically related to as human beings. Do you guys know what we are? The mo dirt. Add some water to dirt. You get a dirt clod. My cousin. We are literally formed from the dirt of this world. And in fact, if you read the account of the gospel, of, 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 the, of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, it says God took from the dirt of the ground, and he fashioned it into the form of what we call a man. Now, he wasn't alive yet, but it says, but God breathed the breath, the breath of life into his nostrils, and he became a living being, and his name was what? Adam. We're just dirt clods, and God's mindful of that because he made us. And he knows our frames are weak. But see, even in the weak frame that I got, he was able to let me grasp that he has a way that's greater than my way. He has an understanding, a, a, a knowledge, a love, a grace that is greater than anything that I understand. And he says, let me give you that. Come follow me. And I want to encourage you this week. There's nothing more reassuring than knowing we can follow the Lord. And even when we face stuff we don't want to or it's hard, we can say, Lord, let it pass, please, if that's your will. But if it's not your will, I'm going to default with Jesus' prayer. Not my will be done, but what? But yours. And let's let him do. Because how did it pay out for Jesus in the end? Well, where is Jesus seated right now? At the right hand of the Father. It says there's no greater position, no greater place in the entire universe than the seat which Jesus occupies. But how did he get there? 
He died. He went to the cross for us. That all the glory and honor, power would be bestowed upon him as he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, the devil tried to get him to take a shortcut. You don't need to suffer. Just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the keys to the whole earth. Except that who would he be seated next to? I don't know if you ever thought of this. Satan was going, just come be my right-hand guy. Jesus said, no. I'll do what the Father wants me to do. May we be that people of resolve. We would do what the Father wants us to do this week. And hold fast. Next week, I'll show you the part about Peter and the cock. He will deny the Lord. Sorry. And I'll show you even the other fellow, that guy I really don't like in the story, Judas. He'll betray the Lord. He's coming to the garden right about now. But don't worry. Jesus knew all this stuff. Let's stay focused on what he knew because if you do, it'll help your faith. When you come to understand what he knew, there's a strengthening from within you that I cannot, it cannot be taken away by anything of this world. You'll be able to stay strong. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your holy scriptures that testify of your son, that point us to Jesus and to the work what he did and to the way that he lived, the way he walked, the, the things he modeled for us, even as he prayed, facing horrible, horrific things. He yielded to your will. Lord, may we be a people that follow his example. May we yield and say, not my will, Lord, this week, but your will be done. That we could experience what you have for us. And I ask that in your son, Jesus Christ's precious name. And everyone that agreed with me said, amen. Would you stand with me? We'll sing a closing song and let you go in the peace of the Lord and in his knowledge. If you have any questions for our dear brother from Kenya, you come and ask him. He'll be around right over here under the blue tent. We'll, we'll have him join me with, for prayer. Mahalo for joining us. If you'd like more information about us, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com and click the link to follow us on Facebook. That's AmazingGraceKona.com. Mahalo and God bless.